Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hey there, and welcome to a very special episode of IndiePod. That's right, folks. We've heard your requests, your pleas, and even your forceful demands, and we finally caved. That's right. The IndiePod boys are finally doing a spoiler cast. Come on. And the crowd goes wild. Come on, Vaughn. Give me some. (sighs) Yeah, that sucked. And of course, you can't have an indie game show without talking about the cult classic. That's right. Today's episode, we're talking about Undertale. But before we get into that, let's introduce ourselves. I am, of course, the Jorsh, or as my co-host likes to always call me, the biggest average, the biggest of average, a Josh Boys, um, even though I hate it. And of course, I'm joined as always by the beautiful, the brave, the bold, Vaughn Hyde. How you doing today, buddy? I can't believe you didn't take this chance to get back at me for calling you Big Josh Boy for the longest time. But also, I feel like anything you try to get back at me with, I'm just going to go with it, so it doesn't really matter. yeah, yeah. yeah. Nah, man, the beautiful, the bold. At first, I was going to do something where it was like the you love him, you hate him, you kind of can't stand him, Von Hyde thing. Like, ah. But I, I, I figured I'd be the bigger person, you know? I, yeah. I am the biggest of average Josh boys. I got to do this right. This is the first time I get to host the episode, so I can't just be slandering you. Yeah, you're the more noble of the two of us. I get it. Yeah. That's for fucking sure. You know what? Noble and humble. Anyway, so Vaughn, uh, you know, how you doing? Are you excited? We're doing a spoiler cast. I'm super excited for this. I, I do want to preface it, though, with saying, just right off the bat, I haven't beat Undertale. And I know that's a stupid fucking thing. Yeah, to pop under a spoiler cast and not beat Undertale. But let me give you a story, okay? Because All right. before we went to go do this spoiler cast, um, Josh and I, like, we were talking about what games we were going to do, and everyone keeps saying that we need to play Undertale, or at least specifically I need to play Undertale, because I haven't. So I was like, you know what? We'll do Undertale. Um, I looked up the, like, average amount of time that it takes to get through a playthrough, and I was like, oh, it's like five hours each, so we'll each just do, we'll just do all three. Like, that's what mm-hmm. we'll do. It'll be easy. Just 15 hours. It's whatever. It's not going to be a big deal. And then... As going through the game, like Josh recommended that I go through the walkthrough since some things can get pretty annoying. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. And I decided to use IGN's walkthrough, which recommends you do the pacifist run first. And now I know that that is not a good idea, but um, <laughs> I I went through, tried to do the pacifist run, and eventually got to like Metaton EX. 
and I literally can't beat him. I literally can't. It's impossible. I've tried. Like, they say the average time to beat this game is five hours. I'm at ten hours on one playthrough, and I'm still not done with this fucking game. Well, anyway, folks, uh, I've beaten the game, so we're okay on that. At least one of us knows what's going on. Um, but it is. this is one of the things, before we even dive into this, this was one of the things that surprised me. So when I think of Undertale, I always think of it, uh, you know, at least from afar, as something that was uh, fairly easy and kind of just uh, more or less a, a more of the story as opposed to an actual challenge. But I was surprised. There were a lot of parts, especially in Genocide, that are just god-awful like they are very difficult uh especially if you get to sans that guy sucks um but (laughs) but i i I will say that you know even even that being said it's still a good story to just watch and i think there's a lot that we can still talk about uh without you having actually experienced winning the game oh yeah don't you worry i watched like a decent amount of videos i know what happens in the true pacifist run the neutral run the genocide run i'm i'm much more into the story itself and just watching the gameplay like especially with that sans fight oh my god i know for a fact (laughs) i'd never be able to do it there's literally no conceivable way that i could do that it is not an easy one. So let's let's dive into some high-level basic thoughts. What did you actually think about the game or that much that you could play of it? I actually think I, I think it's a lot of fun. I love a lot about the game. Specifically, like, the characters are amazing. I love the kind of, like, weird and obtuse uh, kind of, like, approach to combat. Where, especially if you're trying to, to do, like, you're trying to spare creatures. Each one has their own, like, individual needs that you have to meet. I think that's mm-hmm. really cool. But also, I think the game can get really annoying at times. Um, especially in, like, boss battles that take far too long to eventually beat like and what's interesting about him is even those boss battles sometimes you can get around them like muffet specifically i think she was so annoying to fight her pet it goes on for way too long i just hated (laughs) it um especially because i was doing this pacifist run but then like it turns out you can get around it by just like eating the donut in front of her or like doing all sorts of different random stuff somehow being able to purchase one of her baked goods so she's not a total mm-hmm. asshole like yeah my biggest issue with this game is just that battles take way too long that's that's mm-hmm. honestly the only thing i have to say but even then like it kind of makes sense because one of the like kind of like grounding things in the lore of this game is actually the power of determination so it the 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 battles being so long actually kind of makes sense and in like kind of a a celeste way where like at the beginning of the game like uh matt thornson says like you can turn on the accessibility modes but just remember you can do this like you can get through the game i feel like undertale does a very similar thing where like when you die every time it's like keep going continue to be determined you can get through this i know for a fact i fucking can't so it's lying to me (laughs) but i do think that's amazing um i i have to say i think i agree with you with this whole like idea of i don't think it's the best game ever made but having like in some conceivable way experienced each one of the stories i think it's definitely top tier this game is amazing 
I think that a lot of what you were saying to one of the interesting points is that this game is so intertwined and very complex. It seems very basic at its front facing because you you would associate this with games of like the the SNES or the yeah the SNES genre or era where games were a bit more complex you know it was run jump attack uh, turn-based combat depending on the game but there wasn't really a lot to it so you look at this game and you're like well there can't be that much in it but there's so much that is just weaved in the fact that you can fight that boss or if you had at the very start of the game bought that pastry and not even realized you would have had to keep that in your inventory you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to use it and had it for the fight that's like three hours later into the game like there's so much of that in this game of these little bits and pieces that you just kind of have to know or pay attention to and kind of figure out like it's there's a lot of good areas that this game really shines in um that being said let's actually dive into the game so what was the order and you kind of alluded to this but what was the order you ran the game and what order do you feel is best because you said you didn't feel like pacifist was probably the best way to do it at the start so okay well i once again i didn't actually like run the game just so everybody knows but i essentially experienced the game in like different orders so initially like so this ign guide recommended that i do pacifist first and then josh later informed me that you can't actually complete the pacifist run if you don't complete like a neutral run you actually have to do that first so that really bothered me so in the end like i i ended up like getting almost done with the pacifist run to basically finding out that that was almost for not like it doesn't i i wouldn't even it's like it's not that it's almost for not because like the reason why you're doing pacifist or neutral to pacifist but you're still doing semi-pacifist is because the way this the way the game works is you have to complete the game once on neutral mode which means you have to fight flowey uh he's the final boss and it's a very wild fight that we'll talk about in a little bit yeah i feel like that's the way it's meant to be played though i don't think this game is actually meant to be played out of order well, so, I mean, here's the thing, is you can still play pacifist mode and be neutral about it, um, if that makes sense. So, essentially, just not killing anyone. Yeah. So, the difference between neutral mode is really that you haven't completed all of the main uh, side quests in the game, and that you have spared every creature. So, you can still technically do that. Like, the way that I ran it was I did neutral mode, but I was trying to do pacifist mode. I just, I wasn't looking up a guide, and I wasn't paying attention to anything so i was just playing on my own and so i had missed a couple of side quests you have to do these weird dates with different main characters and i just didn't realize that there were two others i was supposed to go back to and talk to um so i had defeated neutral that way but i still went the pacifist mode of not killing anyone in the game Oh, yeah. What I mean by, like, the pacifist mode is, I I guess I mean the true pacifist mode, because you essentially, like, as far as I know, you can't actually get your true pacifist mode. Like, you were talking about the dates, like, uh, specifically Mm -hmm. the, uh, like, Undyne and Alfie's date. I don't think you can actually do that until you've completed the game itself, because Flowey's Mm. the one who tells you to do it, essentially. like. Yeah. to become better friends that's what i mean by like it seems like this game is meant to be played in a very specific way where it's like neutral 
Uh, like, well, genocide is kind of its own thing. Like that one you right. can pretty much do whenever you want. I would probably recommend doing it in the end just because yeah. I feel like the story itself comes to like a really satisfying conclusion. If you do neutral, then true pacifist and then genocide is just like that offhanded one where you're like, what if I was an asshole the whole time? How does the story <laughs> like, how is it affected? Um, I think that's, I, I would, I think that's the way that you should play it. Um, and I, in a sense, I do think that that's the way that it's meant to be played because, yeah. Yeah, well, I guess it's meant to be played that way because you literally can't do the true pacifist run otherwise. Right. So let's talk about how this game actually starts. So the main thing is you're falling down this giant hole into this uh, unknown lands, these ruins. And so the first thing that you come up to is this flower. And I love the way the game does this. Um, they they try to treat it like Flowey is this nice NPC who is teaching you the mechanics of the game and is telling you about these love bullets. Uh, what were your main thoughts on Flowey when you first met them? I actually, like, I was super into Flowey. I had heard, like, kind of fucked up stuff about this game, but I, <laughs> well, I, I couldn't really remember it, and nobody exactly told me that Flowey's a gigantic asshole. So I was yes. like, okay, I was super into it. Like, uh, Flowey was explaining the, like, kind of combat mechanics and how soul works, and I was like, okay, I'm into this. Like, this is cool. And then as Flowey, like, the face changes to that like distorted disgusting like kind of demonic face yes. and it just slowly like encroaches these seeds in on you i was like oh fuck like i'm about <laughs> to die like i did i fuck up like what just happened and then toriel ends up saving you like right at the last minute i thought that was so cool but flowey specifically that character is so awesome like i i honestly don't even <laughs> think that i would have understood like going through the first time i don't think you actually this game sorry i kind of no, have to formulate this thought this game no, requires you in a sense to play multiple times to get yes. the absolute best out of it because flowey is such a boring antagonist if you don't play multiple times Yep. Like, until you find out that Flowey is actually, like, Asriel Dreamer, um, until you find out all the stuff with, like, the, the, the former human that, that came in, like, and mm -hmm, ended up having mm -hmm. this weird plot, unless you get all of that information, I feel like Flowey is kind of underwhelming as a villain. Yeah, because he's just a dick otherwise. He's yeah. just this evil flower who's trying to kill people, and you're like, okay, that's great. But then you find out later that he is this reincarnation of, and that's the part that got me so interested, is he's the reincarnation of someone who was generally to the core a good person and willing to fight for both sides of the humans and monsters and had been corrupted by essentially not being able to feel anything because he is a flower yeah it ends up like becoming this this terrible creature because you just can't feel anything like i i love the finding out that flowey's like kind of not necessarily hero's journey, but in a sense, if you end up completing like the true pacifist route and right. Asriel kind of breaks the barrier for everyone is that like Flowey starts out as Asriel Dreamer, this lovable little like fucking dog person. That's the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, <laughs> ending up like coming across a human that has fallen into the, the underground, which is also like it's called is it kara or chara i honestly don't know how to say i it. believe it's kara okay that's that's kind of what i thought but i wasn't 100 percent sure but it seems to be like intimated and like hinted at that that Kara was trying to kill themselves 
like was yes. was kind of like fed up with humanity and was trying to kill themselves and then falls in to the underground and kind of develops this like plot to to kill all the humans to basically like eradicate all life on plan on the planet earth and kind of uses asriel as like uses asriel as a pawn in this larger game when like kara tries to kill asgore and it ends up mm -hmm. like going awry and doesn't so uh kara ends up like committing in a sense like an ultimate sin but really like enacting its own plan um where kara kills themselves and then right. like just to get asgore or not asgore um to get asriel to kind of like get to uh what is it like basically to take in kara's soul to become this ultimate creature yes. which kara would then try to take control of asriel's body and kill all of humanity like it's so weird this game is so much deeper <laughs> than i ever thought it would yeah. be and it's it's interesting because it's it's deeper and it's deeper in layers where like you said you have to play this multiple times to really get it because when you first hear about the story of this uh the monster's tell you about what happened where Azrael went up to the world with Kara and Kara's uh, dead body basically to fulfill Kara's last wish of actually seeing the world up there but then you find out later that it is this more evil plot of using his soul to go into Azriel and basically then come up there and kill all these humans, but Azriel wouldn't let it happen. So he sacrifices himself and basically walks back towards the ruins while the humans back from the overworld or, you know, normal life try to attack him and kill him because they think that he has killed this human child. Um, so it is really interesting. And I don't know how much of that is like pure canon. And some of that I think is, is speculated, but still the, the point is there's a lot of this game where you're playing it and you're hearing one side of a story. And then as you dig deeper, you're finally learning more bits and pieces. And if you're not fully paying attention, it's easily that something is going to be missed. Oh yeah, absolutely. Also like they, they constantly hint at things throughout the game, like, and that aren't like you have to do multiple playthroughs to kind of like see that come to fruition. Like the fact that uh, Toriel is actually Asgore's wife and mm -hmm, the, the mm -hmm. mother of Asriel. Um, right. the, the way that Flowey is essentially created is actually because like Asriel, like, and I love that when the monsters die, they turn to dust. I think that's so cool that their bodies <laughs> are so much more magical than they are physical. So they end up kind of like returning to the ether when they die. But mm -hmm because Asriel's like ashes are spread amongst these flowers in the keep and then like fucking dr alfie's doing her little like determination experiments ends up accidentally creating flowey and right. in a sense like creates the uh, like the downfall of multiple timelines over and over again and like the thing that i have to say that i think this game does so well and that is so weird that i think we kind of take for granted in games is that everyone's all about realism in games but checkpoints and like save states like all of that they don't actually make sense like if you're all about realism having a checkpoint where you can like fucking respawn at it like respawns don't make sense in most games like it just doesn't like it's not mm -hmm. 
that's not something that happens in real life. Like, sure, you could say reincarnation, but when Ellie dies in The Last of Us and shows up as Ellie, that's not, like, reincarnation. So it doesn't really <laughs> make sense as, like, a gameplay mechanic. But in Undertale, they actually create this lore around, like, saving and resetting and how those are actually, like, two specific kind of magical abilities that I think yep. is so cool. And that Frisk, like, your main character, isn't actually the only person with them. And you don't find that out until much, much later, which is yeah. so cool. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into this. But before we dive too far into it, let's talk a bit back. So you start this game, Flowey's attacking you, Toriel saves you. And this is the first time you find her. She's this old motherly figure who wants to take you in, wants you to stay with her forever. Um, one of the things that happens is you want to escape. You want to go back home. So you basically tell her, hey, I want to go back. I want to go back. I want to go back. She doesn't want to let you because she's trying to protect you from what's out there, which is Asgore, who is trying to kill these humans so that he can gather their souls and be able to escape from the ruins, this underworld, and actually get back to where the humans are and exact his revenge for them killing his son. Um, and so she doesn't want you to go and you don't really know why at this point yet, but she's telling you, I can't let you go. I can't let you go. And they go into this, this battle. And so she's fighting you and in this game. And this is one of the things that I love about this game so much is how much it breaks the fourth wall and will remember your actions in the game. Even if you scum reset, like scum save and just go back. So one of my, my questions is when you, and it sucks kind of that I told you to, to play on a guide because some things I feel like the best way to experience this are those moments where you're like, what the fuck is this game watching me? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I think it was a terrible idea to play, <laughs> play yeah. on a guide. Cause like it made the game a bit easier because at times it can be really obtuse, but right. like so, at other times I feel like I missed out on so many really cool moments. Right. Because this is one of the things is like, and it, it really sucks because this question doesn't uh, amount to much because I'm sure you were told what to do. But like in the game, you have the choice to uh, spare someone or fight them. And you're constantly trying to spare people if you are on pacifist mode because you don't want to kill anyone. That's not the point. You're supposed to give them, show them mercy and find a way to appease them so that they don't want to fight you anymore. So in this, the game does a very funny tactic where throughout the entire time it's been telling you, oh, just, you know, find out the tactic that makes them okay with it and spare them. Well, this is the first time when you're fighting against Toriel where that's not really an option. And she is, for the most part, seemingly unsparable. And so she just keeps doing the same thing. It's uh, a number of times where you have to actually click the mercy button and spare her until she'll finally let you go. And it's not something that is explicitly said that it will happen. So when I played the first time, I did this because I didn't realize and I killed her because I was like, this lady won't get out of my way. <laughs> I was like, I was like, there's no way to do it. She won't get out of my way. She's not attacking me and killing me. I don't know what to do. I'm just going to kill her. And I, I like, I felt bad because this old motherly lady is trying to protect me, but I'm like, lady move. Like I need you to go away so I can play the game. So I get to the, uh, I get to the next area and Flowey is there. And so he, he tells you, okay, uh wow you ba like basically the game mocks you for killing her and he's like you're not gonna be a good person blah blah, blah. like kind of makes fun of you and so i was like i was like fuck okay i guess there was a way to save her 
So I ended up redoing it, kept sparing her, was able to finally get past. And now Flowey actually this time remembered that I had done that, that I had, even though I didn't save, I just quit the game. He remembers that it happened and he mocks me for being weak and not like strong enough to, to be uh, okay with my decisions and just going back and redoing time. Yeah. Which I think is nuts. Like that's such a cool concept in this game. It's, I mean, it's especially cool when, like, that's that's one of those other things I'm talking about are, like, these breadcrumbs that, like, you don't actually understand how Flowey knows that you did that because there's not many characters in this game that actually know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, I think, in a sense, like, Kara knows, Flowey knows, and, like, Sans, to a degree, knows. Yes. But mm-hmm. other than those characters and Frisk, because Frisk is the one actually experiencing it, no one else knows what exactly is happening. And it's it's right. so awesome. And it adds like so many added layers to this game. That's so weird. But the Toriel fight specifically, I find so interesting that like Toriel will blatantly attack you for a while. Like yeah. she will actually yeah, yeah, yeah. try to hurt you. But then eventually when she sees that you get down to like one health, she refuses to essentially attack you. So if you yeah. just try to continually click mercy, she just stops actually trying to hit you and if you just hold still everything just moves past you you have to actually try to die in that moment yeah i just found that part of it so interesting that like the gameplay was then molded by what the character actually wanted to do like Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't part of this like uh it wasn't part of a constant routine where like you'll see in other games where they have like three attack patterns and then they just continually do that instead toriel does that for a while but then eventually once your health gets low it's kind of like the the creature the character itself takes over and is like no I don't want to attack you. Like, that's not what I want to do. This isn't about killing you. It's just about trying to keep you safe, which I love so much that Toriel (laughs) is, like, so hell-bent on keeping you safe and, like, loving you. Yeah. And so then once you're you're past her and you're done with her love, uh, we escape the (laughs) runes and we run into Sans and Papyrus, who are obviously the most iconic. When you think about Undertale, like, Sans is the main person that I would associate this game with. Um, what are just some general thoughts on the two characters? I love Sans and Papyrus so much. I think they're amazing. <laughs> like the Sans is like, uh, okay. So you were talking about like general stuff. So we could talk about this a little bit more later because I realized that I'm just like droning on about all this story that I love so much in this game. No, nah, that's but, fine. This is, I mean, this is what we got to do. You know, yeah, we're, this is a spoiler. A spoiler cast. Cast. We've spoiled a lot of it. <laughs> Um, but I love Sans and Papyrus so much. I love learning more and more about them. So Papyrus on his own constantly talks about how he has so many friends, how he's this kind of like amazing warrior. And you, in a sense, actually kind of see that, but Papyrus doesn't want to hurt you either. And once again, it comes back to that whole like Papyrus, like wanting to be your friend, um, and that character taking over when it comes to gameplay, like Papyrus's actual boss battle. If you can't finish it in three tries, Papyrus is just like, ah, you win. Like I'm done. I'm not going to try to capture you again. You're totally fine. And Sans, like, I love how the more you learn about Sans, the more he's actually like this really tragic character. Like initially he comes off as kind of just like, 
like a deadbeat in a sense. Like he he's he doesn't give a shit about anything. He's just making stupid puns. He's like slacking off. He's getting pizza. He's like fucking around at a bar essentially. And yeah. later, like with later runs of the game in different ways, and like uh, kind of going through the dates and everything, you learn that Sands is actually very sad, and he's he's yeah. multi-dimensional and really he's... really awesome. This is this is exactly what you were saying about there's certain characters who understand the timeline and understand that the world itself keeps resetting. And so Sans is in a state very almost like defeated to a point where he puts on that comedic gesture because he knows there's literally nothing he can do and he's stuck in an endless loop. Yeah, it's like Wh- kind of the to I laugh to help uh, to keep from crying like scenario. Yes, yes exactly. And and for Papyrus, he basically is just like the uh, the kid who just wants to be in the cool kids club, but doesn't really want to actually do like be a part of it other than to be included. He's trying to be in this royal guard, but he has no interest in killing people and doing any of that. He just wants to be a part of things. And you can clearly tell that when he is spending all this time to create these these traps or these puzzles for you to do. But then when given the choice to actually defeat you, he just says like, oh, well, I'm not going to do this. Like he has no interest in actually hurting anyone. He just wants to be a part of the club with his friends. Yeah, he's just lonely. He doesn't really exactly. have any friends. So that's like he's trying to make them. One thing I wanted to talk about before we get like too far away, I just wanted to mention like one thing about Undertale that doesn't have to do with like the actual story or anything but i find that there are so many legitimately hilarious moments in this freaking game like sans has a lot to do with them his like weird puns and pedumptouche thing like it's uh-huh. it's often hilarious but like in the ruins where there's the uh like the puzzles and there is the sign that says like uh three out of four rocks recommend you push them and you like push <laughs> the three onto the the switches and then the fourth you try to push it and the rock talks to you and it's like yeah. what are you trying to do you're like i like i'm trying to move you kind of a thing and the rock's like okay and it moves a little bit (laughs) you you have to try to like push it again and then it moves back it is like what do you want me to do you want me to move all the way over there okay that's all you had to say kind of a thing i i love the humor in this game as well like it's it's just so weird at times and often hilarious and like sans is more than like most often the one who does that kind of shit and later on toriel is as well because yeah. they're just fucking goobs and it's just hilarious. So I think it's so funny that if you're paying attention, she Toriel has this character that she's talking with and making jokes with, and you don't find out until later that Sans is actually the one who's basically been talking to her this whole time and has been semi protecting you for a lot of the game. Yeah. In, in many different ways. That moment is so fucking creepy. How he, <laughs> like, uh, once again, like, going further into the game, but um, when he, you get through, I think, Hotland, and you're about to go into the core, and Sans yeah. is like, hey, you want to get some food? Like, you go with Sans, and Sans kind of lays out what exactly is happening, that he is, like, at, at this point, you see the true side of Sans, where he's obviously jaded. He's done. Mm-hmm. Like, he... He is like have you seen um have you seen Palm Springs? No. no okay, no. well it's it's essentially about a guy who gets stuck in a time loop and is kind of just like come to terms with being stuck in it. He's not going to hmm, get sounds out. Sounds fitting. 
And that's like, that's Sans. He's come to terms with it and he's done. Like, he no longer wants to be part of this fucking time loop, especially because in every one of these timelines, he has to watch everyone else die. And he right. sees that ultimately his efforts are futile. Like, he cannot win. Um, mm-hmm. And he sits you down and is like, I just wanted to let you know that, like, there, I, I used to have um, a mutual appreciation. I have a friend who has a mutual appreciation of puns and, like, bad jokes. And I got really close with her. I've never met her before. But she asked me if any humans come through this door to protect them. Otherwise, I would have killed you. Like, he yep. straight up says, I would have murked you. I would have fucking, you'd be dead right now. You'd be dead and buried six feet under. Your bitch ass would be dirt. Like, that's it. Yeah, and for most people, he's right. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's so awesome that, like, this is this is one of those moments where you actually don't even have to play multiple times to get the story or, like, a little bit of uh, added character development to Sans where, like, he seems so one note and then in this moment he's like, no, I have a I have a serious dark side. And you also kind nope. of see like the power of Sans. Like he he seems like he's ultimately like kind of useless because he's <laughs> he's so punny and he loves bad jokes and he's Papyrus's brother, which Papyrus right. is like kind of useless in a sense too. Like he's hilarious. <laughs> um but then like I I guess in the genocide run and at this moment, oh, it's much different. Yeah, yeah, you ultimately see the power of Sands, and you're just like, okay, never mind. Like you're a fucking god, dude. I'm done. Yeah, he is. He is quite a boss to tackle. Uh, but we're getting way far ahead. So before the Hotlands, before any of that, we meet the fish, wi- uh, fish warrior known as Undyne, or Undyne. I think it's uh, yeah, Undyne or Undine. I don't know. I just Undine? say Undyne. I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with Undyne. Uh, anyway, so fish lady who. I'm going to be honest, I hated in both Pacifist and Genocide. I thought no. both of those were, were pretty challenging. Oh, okay. The the fight itself? Okay. The fight itself. The I, fight I, itself, I thought you were saying yeah. the character. I was like, I love Undyne. I think she's I, awesome. I, I think she, well, she's one of, uh, so there's some characters, and I'm going to get to it in a second, that I just absolutely <laughs> just despise but she was she was one of the ones who i was i was more into i i think she is very over the top um but that's to her character i like the dating part where you're actually with her and trying to cook something i thought was like ridiculous but pretty hilarious um i i think she's very fitting for what you need especially to balance out uh papyrus the thing I really love about her is, like, she starts off as this really ominous character. Like, you you see her early on, and she tries to, like, essentially kill you pretty yeah. quickly in the game. Um, And she just slowly tracks you through Waterfall. Like, she, she is extremely ominous. And you even hear from, like, basically the local townspeople that she is this, like, really intense warrior. And it very much, like, builds her up. Like, even, even Papyrus, which, like, at this moment, I was friends with Papyrus, so this seemed kind of fucked up. Where, like, Papyrus is sitting there basically, like, telling Undine about you. Like, kind mm-hmm. of narking on you. And I was like, what are you doing, bro? Yeah. <laughs> Like, you realize Did that you... person is trying to fucking murder me, right? 
I love how they did the, um, what was it? He's like, which way were you going or something like that? And you, you tell him the way. And, uh, I truthfully said, like, I'm going to the right. I think it was, it was like either left or right. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to the right. He's like, okay, good. And he hangs up and then he calls a little bit after. And he's like, so I told her you were going, uh, you were going, fuck, what was it? No, I said the wrong way. Like I said the opposite way to trick him of like basically going against him because he was friends because he was friends with her and i was like okay well i don't want him to tell her blah 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 so he's like i told her the opposite so basically saying that he told her the right way and i was like oh motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome i love that point where like he eventually calls you again and is like hey what are you wearing like is this what you're wearing and uh you're like yeah and you're like okay i'm gonna tell my friend that and then Adid later shows up and i was like you're a fucking narc dude stop (laughs) telling her knock it off like it was annoying me so much but i ultimately was like totally chill with it because it once again feeds into papyrus's character where like yes papyrus just wants friends and he has you but he also really looks up to undine and wants to like still be part of something bigger so he's he's trying to both save you and keep you safe while all also kind of developing this relationship with undine which then like feeds into the date where he like takes you to undine's house and then just fucking ditches you and jumps out (laughs) her window but the undine fight itself since you were talking about it i i actually kind of enjoyed it i thought it was it, it like once again i thought it kind of dragged on in an annoying way where you're constantly like fighting trying to escape running fighting trying to escape running like i I found it kind of annoying, um, but then, like, I ultimately really enjoyed the fact that, like, you don't kill her then. You essentially, like, still get another chance to kill her when she mm-hmm. follows you into, like, Hotland and yep. collapses, and there's just, like, this conveniently placed water cooler. I know. I love that. <laughs> like, why would that be out there? <laughs> I don't know. Just in case, like, Undine is coming through. Like, she's making her way to, to new home. And it's just like, I need a drink of water. I'm a fish person. And just, like, needs a cup, I guess. I mm. I don't really it's know. It's an interesting accent for her. But. Oh, I know. That's how I imagine her is, like, halfway Brooklyn, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, she's just... I need some water over here. <laughs> I'm looking for a cup. You got one? <laughs> exactly. And also, we haven't even talked about, like, the fucking monster kid that follows you through oh, all of God, Waterfall. Oh, my God, stupid. What a dweeb. (laughs) (laughs) It is like so obsessed with Undine. It's just like, hit me, hit me. It's like so excited about it. Just like wanting, like in a sense, a masochist, like wants to get the shit beat out of him. And I was like, what are you doing? I love how everyone seemingly in this world is so brain dead uh, or like unaware of their own surroundings that the whole time he's like, what do you think she wants from you? (laughs) Like yeah and you're like, like to kill me you idiot yeah and i love that like the monster kid even knows what they do to humans but doesn't know you're a human yeah. and i'm just like you're dumb how do you like there's only been like fucking seven humans in the fucking underground and they all seemingly come through here i don't understand how you don't know who i am yeah I, I really do I really do like the little like lines of dialogue that come through with different events that happen in this game. So one of the ones is with Undyne, there's a portion of this where right before your fight, the the little monster kid falls and you have to pick him up. And so part of that is whether you help him or you don't. Obviously in the pacifist run you have to pick him back up. 
And so one of the things that that happens later on, I believe it was in the date or something like that, where Undyne starts talking to you and essentially thanks you because she was super nervous that if she had went to help him, you would have killed her because you would have had an easy easier chance to attack her when she's vulnerable. And I thought that was super interesting, just the way, like, the little lines of dialogue that come from each one of those decisions you make. Yeah, that is really interesting. I, uh, okay, so I never actually got to see what happens if you don't help that kid. Does he die? No, she'll end up helping him. So, like, if you do it in genocide run, you specifically don't, and you'll just let him go. And it's funny because the monster kid for some reason will play to your side and, and you'll see like dialogue as you're walking away. That'll be like, well, I'm sure he would have helped me or they would have helped me. And just trying to be like the, the optimist of it. Um, and so I don't know though, if that happens, if it's not on genocide. Okay. I was, I was very curious as to what happened with that. Cause I, I was happy to pick up the kid, even though, it was fucking annoying that whole time. Like, kept falling on its face and everything. That was, like, the funniest thing in this game is that the best, like, the fastest and best animations in this game are when this kid fucking eats shit all the time. Yeah. It was so, so this, hilarious. This is a great segue because this is one of the things I don't like about this game is moments like that, even though it's funny, even though it is, you know, unique animation, good animation in that regard. But there's a lot of moments in this game that do this where you have to watch these very slow-ish cutscenes or things that just stop your gameplay yeah. and really interrupt the flow of everything that happens. I I just couldn't... It always pissed me off every time I... Because I did this, you know, like three, four times where I played this game. And every time I see him derping around and just walking through and falling on his face. I'm like, could you just fall on your face a little faster, kid? Like, let's move it. We got things to do here. And it goes into the next point, which is, man, I hate the next character that you meet, which is the <laughs> Dr. Alfie's. God, I I just, I know there's a lot of people that love her. Uh, I cannot stand her. I thought she was so annoying. <laughs> so did you, uh, one thing before we get to Hotland, did you like, uh, when you finished the Undyne, like, fight, did you end up, like, going back and doing her date immediately, or did you wait till later in the game? No, so this is the thing, is I didn't know, because, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't reading a guide, um, and it's, honestly, I, I shouldn't have given you that, that, uh, advice, but I more gave it to you because I screwed up and I was doing things in, uh, like, I should have told you only do it when you do genocide because genocide is the area where I wish I would have read a guide and found out how to do it before I play the game a full third time for nothing. Um, but uh, I didn't know that it was a thing. I didn't know I was supposed to go back. So I, I gave her the water. She was good. And then I just left. I was like, that's we're done here. And so I just kept playing the game. So like I got the ending when I finished the game the first time. I got the neutral mode where Flowey comes up and he says, hey, you should talk to Undyne and uh, Alfie's and like play more into that and you'll get a better ending. And I was like, what? I don't even know where they are. So I had to I had to look up a guide at that point just to see where I was supposed to go. And then I was like, oh, okay, they're her house. And then I started doing stuff on my own again. Yeah, it is kind of weird. Like it doesn't make it abundantly clear that you need to go like on a date with her because you, I think Papyrus, like you go and meet up with him because he wants to like i i think he might call you or something mm -hmm. um and mm -hmm. you go and meet up with papyrus and papyrus is like let's go like talk with undine let's see if we can kind of like build this relationship between you which i have to say the dates are by far one of my favorite aspects of this game because they're not like they're not actually 
a game. Like you're kind of just there for it's more the cutscene-ish. Ride. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's not really part of the the gameplay. You're just there to to get a little bit more about these characters. So like you learn. Um, you learn, like, you go into Papyrus and Sans's house and you see a sock on the ground or something like that that has, like, yeah. stacks of sticky notes that are so weird. That, like, <laughs> Papyrus says, uh, Sans, put away your clothes. And Sans is like, or he says, move your clothes. And he's like, okay. And he's like, no, move them into your room. And he's like, or he says, it basically goes along the lines of, like, he moved it an inch. And then Papyrus yeah, yeah, is yeah. like, no, fucking put it away. And they just keep putting sticky notes on it. And, like, Papyrus's weird, like, his date outfit and his obsession oh, yeah. with spaghetti and all sorts of weird stuff. He, like, picks his hat up and there's spaghetti underneath. Like, the dates are so interesting. And Undine's date, I feel like, is especially interesting because she's constantly conflicted during this date. Like, she wants to kill you, but she also, like, kind of... I love how Papyrus is like, oh, yeah. And he's, like, kind of playing her, showing that he is, in a sense, intelligent. Where he's like, oh, only a really strong person can become friends with the person they're trying to kill. And yeah. she's just like, you don't think I'm strong, boy? I'm freaking, <laughs> I'll befriend this kid. You don't even know. And, like... Yeah gets super love, weird about it i love the alpha character trying to just like having to be the best even though they have no interest in being your friend and then just mistakenly or begrudgingly actually having it happen um i do enjoy a lot for those dates even though to your point they're not really like you're actually doing anything but it's it's so important to get that backstory into who the characters are especially when you get to alfie's uh backstory Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, you, you have to go through her date to learn more about the world, which is so interesting. So that's all I wanted to say about that. You can continue on to Hotland and talk about how you hate Alfie's. Dude, I hate her. She's so annoying. <laughs> like, okay, here's the thing. Like, It's because the notifications, like the text the messages The notification, thing, the text messages, 100% the text it's messages. It's so annoying. Like, I can get past the fact that Alfie's is, like, very, <laughs> just very awkward and weird and that's I who love she you is wrote down, i in get the it. doc you called her a dweeb <laughs> she is dude she's so she's this anime geek who that's fine like you get it that it, it, it it's a little too much to that character you know like it's on the nose it's you're clearly going for this weird stereotype of this recluse anime junkie like nerd person and I was like, okay, I get it. You're a shy, nerdy person, like whatever. But like, they play so hard into it by having her text you like every two seconds and updating these like weird, I guess you would think of it like a social media post, like a Twitter or something where she's posting these things about that she's going to call you and then she calls you or she doesn't call you. And you're like, would you just let me play this game? Stop interrupting the flow of me moving from point A to point B. Yeah, she's essentially, like, live-tweeting your journey, and you're just like, I swear to God, dude. It's Honestly, that annoyed me so much. When you said, like, these interruptions to gameplay, I 100% knew what you meant. Like, the Monster Boy didn't bother me that much, but two things that did is, one, uh, well, one, I'm really bad at video games, so the game over screen, however much it actually tries to, like, keep you moving forward and let you know, it's also super fucking annoying because it takes a thousand years to get to the fucking place where i can reset and load my goddamn saves so i can continue playing this stupid game oh it's a great game 
But then also that <laughs> moment where like fucking Alfie's is constantly like f- live tweeting your journey and that she's going to like call you and all sorts of stuff. Like it's so annoying, but also like it's it's both annoying and at times really endearing. Like this is once again where you like you wouldn't necessarily understand the context of stuff until later when you right. find out that Alfie's essentially like forcefully placed herself within your journey and that she is extremely like kind of uh she's depressed and she's not exactly like she is not very proud of herself uh she's very no, down no. well on herself. i mean she started the apocalypse essentially well yeah and like she doesn't necessarily know that like she's so down right. on herself because her whole character is based on like being a scientist and she's really trying hard to uh like kind of uh show her worth to asgore like asgore tells her to to learn about determination and to learn about souls and she inadvertently creates the apocalypse but also she like creates the amalgamites i think is what they're called which are like these disgusting like kind of creatures that um are like these weird ghosts like yeah the form of uh, uh previous monsters selves yeah, they're, they're previous monsters who basically melted and fused together because she injected them with determination to try to continue their life. Like, it's it's so interesting. So in these moments with, like, Alfie's when she is trying to help you through these puzzles and she gives you the wrong puzzle. Like, she's like, okay, it's going to be blue, then it's going to be orange-orange. So don't move and then move and move. And you're like, okay, and then it's actually blue-blue-orange. And you're just like, fuck what and she's super distraught about this like she thinks she's worthless in a sense yeah and i i kind of love that about alfie's like these constant updates and like i i in the end like once you learn that much more about her yes it is really annoying that it's constantly interrupting the gameplay itself but it also is like in a sense a cry for help like she just wants to be noticed by anyone yeah. And well, maybe she should stop being so annoying and then they give her some attention. Oh yeah, she's annoying though. 100%. <laughs> it's so fucking no, annoying. It's it's actually really funny too cuz uh in those certain situations where she would fuck up and give you the wrong information, if you just disobeyed her and like went through it, so there was times where she would be like, "Oh, I think you have to make a left here" or something like that, and I just went the other way instead cuz not even trying to like knowing that she screws things up, but just being the explorative person I am when it comes to these games, I was like, "Well, I want to go see what's on the other side first if I'm supposed to go this way. So I went the other way and it was like the right way to go. So she's like, Oh, I guess I was wrong. Like, I'm so sorry. And I was like, well, whatever. <laughs> like, Come on, dummy. <laughs> You're like, it's fine. I didn't listen to you anyway. It's cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I actually really like Alfie's, but I definitely understand why it would get annoying. Those fucking text messages. I'm just like, I swear to God, I'll stomp on your cell phone, bro. I was, I'll fucking wreck you. I'm done with it. And then, like, constantly also getting your gameplay interrupted by Metaton. Like, having these fucking annoying-ass game show segments that were (laughs) so interesting but so annoying at the same time. I was like, I'm done with this fucking jetpack shit. I'm done with my cell phone somehow having every fucking thing. And I love how, looking back on it, you're like, how would my, how would she know to put a jetpack in my phone? It's like, because she's the one who actually crafted this entire scenario. Yeah. It's, and it's funny that Metaton eventually, like, gives you all that information at the end. He's like, you realize what she's doing, right? 
Yeah, and like locks her out and is like she basically is placing herself within your hero's journey. Like this would have been so much easier for you if Alphys didn't do that. Like she just she wants to show that she can help, but she kind of failed in the times that she tried, like real earnestly tried. So now she's trying to manufacture a scenario where she is the hero and saves mm -hmm. you, which I think is so I I kind of I love Alfie so much. Like, I, I love all of these characters. I don't think there's one that I legitimately hate. Even Flowey becomes amazing. Um, well, I guess Kara. Actually, Kara fucking sucks. Okay? Oh, man. Literally the devil. Yeah. I, I don't <laughs> understand. But you can continue with Hotland. Uh, no, I think I think we're, we're good on Hotland. I think, you know, we get through um, basically this giant elevator of sprawling different monsters. Um in there, we, we would have fought the, you know, Muffet, but we basically talked about that already. So let's just skip ahead. Let's go to Can we talk four. about the Royal Guards real quick? Oh, like, okay. Okay. Yeah, that, that's pretty good. You? That's yeah, so I, funny. I did like the, the very brotherly love uh, thing that happened in between this of them being like, <laughs> it's like, it's such a funny thing that, that the way that you get through this game in pacifist mode is always finding these unique ways to have someone not kill you and this one was just having them find out they love each other and just being like oh i guess we'll just love each other and stop killing people and you're like what that's it what are you doing yeah there's like this it, it kind of shows that all of these monsters aren't actually bad people right like right you, you you become to like you're you slowly love them so much like more and more like there is um the doggo who is like the the dog who the tries to kill you best. but is kind of like blind so he can't actually hit you unless you move there's a uh, dog e with the eye which is the two dogs that you mm -hmm. teach them that they can pet each other and then they're <laughs> like super into it. it's kind of weird <laughs> and then yeah, there's a little like greater dog who ends up being a little dog in big armor like i thought that was so cute <laughs> that one was so funny i loved it so much and it kind of like that reminded me of when like one of papyrus's traps when you're on that bridge where it's like uh like a crossbow a sword a drill and then one of them is just a dog on the a dog on the, yeah <laughs> It's like, what is that? What He's is that all you. about? But then uh, in Hotland, we also get to to Muffet, which, yeah, you already talked about. And I said she's fucking annoying as shit. But if you hold on to that donut, it like completely changes it. And you can literally just walk right through that fight. I should say this was a point like I'm I don't want to say this guide is bad, but I'm going to say this guy's bad. Um, the, the IGN guide for Undertale, I feel like is actually like it helps but it also hinders you in a way so one it recommending that you do pacifist first i 100 percent do not recommend that like i i think you should go neutral especially because pacifist is so hard to do a lot of the time like if you like kill a couple people you don't go full genocide it's whatever you get some of the story and then if you do pacifist later i think that's the the way it really should go because then you like you get to know some bits about the characters then you get the really like deep appreciation and love for them in the true pacifist run i think that's how it really should go um because you have a reason to want to jump through these hoops and to save all of these monsters and uh when it comes to like muffet in this guide, it told me to purchase this donut and then put it in my like little bank. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. And then it never told me to take it out of the bank, 
when going into like Muffet's area. So once I read that I could do that, I backtracked halfway through the game until I could find a freaking like one of the banks so that I could pull out this donut and then eat it in front of Muffet. I was like, I had to take like a 30 minute detour because I (laughs) did like because this guy didn't tell me to go back and grab this fucking donut. It was so annoying. Like I it bothered me so much. Backtracking is probably one of my least favorite parts about this game. And especially with um, with the pacifist mode where enemies are still spawning constantly. It can be quite annoying, especially at the point where you've already, like, you know how to spare these enemies. And you're like, fuck, I just did this. Like, come on. <laughs> but you and have to get to that bank. some of them take like, multiple attempts to spare them. Like, yeah. you... You have to try one way, try another way, or you have to do the same thing multiple times until they're eventually basically, like, ready to climax in a sense, and then they finally go away. Like, it's, like, that one kind of, like, buff seahorse, how you have to, like, make yeah, him yeah. flex, flex over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's funny, but it also, at times, gets really annoying when you have to do it over and over again. You're just like, eh, can we just yeah. not? Like, and then you... I've always tried to, like, run from him, but I don't think I ever actually succeeded in running uh, from anyone. I think I've done it a couple of times, but there are times where you'll fail. It's it's very similar to the same that you would know in, like, normal RPG tropes where running, like, 50% of the time or something will generally equate to you still getting hit. Yeah, it was it was annoying. But, yeah, let's talk about the core. Let's talk about, yeah, okay. Uh, what were your thoughts on the core? Um, I like that it was actually kind of like a small, it was a short level. I, I really enjoyed that because we had just gone through like a waterfall, which wasn't exceptionally long, but you had to like constantly dodge Undine, um, Snowden, which was like mostly just leading up to the fight with Papyrus, but Hotland took so fucking long. Yes, that's true. Honestly, it's not pretty. It's not anything. It's it's ultimately kind of boring, and a lot of the puzzles aren't that interesting. Like the the kind of like brick, not necessarily brick breaker, but you have to move the bricks and then shoot at the. Yeah, I, the, I wasn't too crazy about those either. Yeah, there was just so much of it, and the constant <laughs> like interruptions by Doctor Alfie's. Like I was I was ready to be done. So when I mm-hmm. finally got to the core and there's like three puzzles and then you fight Metaton again and that was it. Like that's the core. I love that so much. Before this, like in between the hotland and the core is where we get that moment with Sans where you get to yep. like sit mm-hmm. down and eat with him, which is so ominous and awesome at the same time. <laughs> it was like terrifying. Uh, so I love I how am- they haven't fixed that one fountain in the hotel. I, I don't even think I noticed that. Oh, there's just this one fountain that's like broken and just like spraying out into the the area. (laughs) That's awesome. No, I I didn't even notice that. That's so interesting. Um, I love all the optional characters that you can and can't talk to. Like you'll you'll walk up to them and talk to them and they're the weirdest fucking like designed characters. Like the the bar in Snowden, um, how it has the like the bartender behind the bar kind of looks like the beheaded from uh, Dead Cells. He looks mm-hmm. so cool, or he looks like Kurugiri from um, My Hero Academia, but instead of like um, kind of like a shadow or a mist, it's fire. Like so many of these character designs are so awesome, and I feel like you you don't get to spend a lot of time with some people, which kind of sucks. But also, like you spend way too much time with others, so I'm totally fine with it. 
Yeah, I mean, one of the good things about this game is definitely the animation to it. The The design of the characters is very unique. They're very... Um, a lot of the characters I would describe as disgusting, but in a cute way, if oh, that yeah. makes any sense. I get it. Uh, which I definitely think fits that world, since they are monsters. You're in this uh, more or less version of an underworld or so. But uh, let's let's dive a little bit deeper. Uh, we keep walking forward, and you start getting to this hallway where you have a bunch of different creatures who give you a good side of the story. This is the first part where you feel really ingrained with what's happening to the world around you. And I thought it was really interesting to that point of like the monsters not being bad, like you mentioned, is there's a, a, a portion of the dialogue where they say literally, you should be excited for this. You're going to die for the greater good. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of ominous and like fucked up, but I get it. That's that's cool. <laughs> I mean, I, I enjoyed it because I was like, because at this point, you're not really on the side of one way or the other. You still don't really understand. So I was like, no, fuck you. I'm not dying for you. Like what? But you have to if you're going the pacifist run. So you're like, OK, I guess. Like, that's kind of cool. I mean, is this before or after the Metaton EX fight? This is this is after. So this oh, is right... OK. Yeah, yeah. When so you're walking is... through that like pale house that looks like Toriel's uh, yes. house yes okay i gotcha you're you're going through and it, it was a little bit before like right before you start walking through here it was interesting because you get that especially if this is your first time playing it and you're doing pacifist this is where alfie's comes up to you and basically apologizes about not telling you before but will say there's literally no way you can do this without killing asgore because yeah. one of your souls has to be consumed you have to have both a human and a monster soul to to pass through the barrier. Yeah. Right. Uh, before so we move too far, I did want to ask you, what did you think about the Metaton EX fight? Um, I thought it was interesting. I wasn't too crazy about him as a character for what he turned out to be. I thought it was a little strange. Um, but I will say I did like the challenge that it brought. I, I liked the the different area. Like like the the reason why I like this game is. Every battle is different. So every boss battle gives you that unique aspect of here's a new mechanic to learn almost to a fault because you never really get to experience it enough to master anything, but it always feels fresh. It's always something different. So it's like one of the reasons why I didn't keep going through Undertale when I first played like years ago was I thought it was constantly going to be the same thing of I got up to like Papyrus and beat him. And then I kind of just said like, I'm not really as interested in doing this because it's the same, like just duck and dodge. Uh, you know, you have your heart, you're dodging some kind of attack and you're trying to spare people, but it, it becomes much more than that. Especially when you hit Undyne, when you hit Megaton, when you hit, um, when you hit Asgore, it's a little bit about the same, but they they put in more of the mechanics that you've learned into it. Um, so I did like that aspect, that it was something new and fresh, but it wasn't my favorite, I'll say. I, like, honestly, the Metaton fight is the true, like, that's, okay, one, that's what I can't get past, by the way. I literally, I can't get past Metaton. It's so annoying. Um, I hate how long it is, how you have to, like, meet this audience meter and it has to get up to like 10,000 and you start yeah. off like super low. So you have to constantly just keep dodging and dodging. This fight goes on for so long. It's mm -hmm. just so excessive and it really bothers me. But I do like, like 
there is kind of a quality of life feature where when you first start fighting Metaton, uh, when you find out that there's like the switch on uh, their back, you can switch it. And then yep. from now on, once you die, you like start from that moment on. I liked that. Yeah, the game the game was super smart about doing things like that to try and eliminate some of the fluff that you have to do before a boss fight, which is super appreciated because there's you know they could have done this in a way where you would just have to go through the same conversation every single time. Yeah, I would have hated that so much, especially because this fight gets so grating on me. Where like I I loved a lot of the changes to to gameplay where it's not just dodging like you said like with undine you actually have to deflect like she holds you down so you have to deflect her barrages um with sand or not sands with papyrus he makes your soul blue so you actually have gravity to it so then it's like a platforming puzzle i thought a lot Mm -hmm. of that was really cool um and metaton like brings in these kind of like bombs and like moving legs and stuff like that it was just so annoying that it took so long I was like, I'm just done with this fight. I don't understand how people make it all the way through. It's just yeah. like a fucking 20 to 30 minute fight on its own. And it's so annoying. Stop. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to tell you, buddy. Get good. Um, anyway, yeah, exactly. so one of my favorite things about this, especially with learning the journey, is when we're in that pale hallway. So we defeat Megaton. We go through. We start talking to all these different monsters. And right before you fight Asgore, there's this area where there's a container of hearts. And these are all these souls that they're collecting. One of my favorite things about this game is you you go up to it and you're looking at the name of it. And it has your name, the character's name that you selected. And it's uh, it's this empty container and you're like oh that must be for me like where they're going to actually keep the heart and i think the biggest twist for me in this game uh was finding out that you're actually not playing as the character you're named you're playing as frisk and instead the character you named is essentially the first human who fell in here which i thought was kind of like kind of an interesting twist to to having a, a place where you even name a character like you're not actually playing as yourself the entire time i don't think i actually picked up on that to be completely honest like i i loved the amount of story that went up to this fight like in those pale hallways like how you were talking about those monsters kind of like giving you the background they tell you the story of asriel and they tell you the story of like asgore and why everything happened and of like kara and everything but I don't think I actually ever actually like I I didn't play this part, so right. it might have just been the fact that like no one deliberately pointed that out or actually checked yeah, that. Sp- specifically, where this happens, I I forget exactly what ending, but there's one where you save. I think it was the pacifist one where you save a bunch of people and they start referring to you as Frisk, and you're like, why are they calling me Frisk? And so it's it's that you're that actual character, you're not the one that you named. And you don't find that out until it's like it's kind of vague, but they they start calling you that name at the end. And that's basically all they can remember is is like who you were. Yeah, I don't I don't think I ever actually noticed that. That's really really cool. I like mm-hmm. that a lot. Like that that really adds a lot to this moment like leading up to like as uh asgore's fight also like that that moment like before you even get to these kind of like heart containers or anything when sans essentially like weighs you and he determines whether or not you're worthy to to, like pass on that moment was so intense where he's like if you're fucked up i'm gonna kill you like right now 
but it turns out you're chill. Like you didn't kill anybody. You're awesome. He explains that like uh, EXP is like execution points yeah. and your level is your level of like aggression, I think is what yeah. it is. Yeah. I loved, I love that point because it was more of the stronger you are, the easy. So <laughs> In most games, the stronger you are, the easier it is for you to defeat enemies. And the way they explain that is your level, that love, uh, is the level of execution. So, like, it's how strong you are, like, how much you've killed, it becomes much easier for you to dismiss the idea of killing even more. So it becomes this thing where your level is equated to how detached you are from having compassion towards others. Yeah, and even, like, in the, uh, I think it's in the genocide run, that level is kind of, like, um, it is a metric to show how much, like, I think it's a car or whatever is possessing you. Mm-hmm. Like, how much your ability and your own, like, willpower is actually tainted by this other soul residing in your body. Like, it's it's so interesting. I find this game so awesome, um, and I love, like, when after after this like sands bit and you you walk up and asgore is just sitting amongst these flowers like it's such mm-hmm. a cute and beautiful moment like you see this place where essentially flowey was created we end up finding out and and asgore's so nice he's just like hey like he was exactly how undine like said he was that he's just like this fluffy character and everything right. and i love how undine in a sense kind of like she warns you about Asgore where she's like, yeah, I've never been able to beat him. He might seem fluffy, but he's actually a badass. And then like Asgore's like, okay, we're going to duke it out. We're going to fight. Like, let's do this. He's, he doesn't seem happy about it. He actually seems very reluctant to do anything. And right when that fight starts, he fucking uses his trident to blow up your mercy button. I was like, (laughs) what? Yeah, it was a pretty cool moment. It, it It is interesting because you can tell, like, to your point, he doesn't want this. Like, he knows that he has to kill these humans because he has to exact his revenge. But, like, at the same time, he who he is to his core is not this murderer. He doesn't want to do this. He just knows that he needs to, to put on this this charade of trying to instill passion and, uh, you know, hope for the people in his his society in this underground world like he is the leader of all these people and he's trying to push them upward and to help them escape and so he knows he has to do this in order to to actually make that happen yeah and to to prove your point like it it kind of like it physically showcases that he doesn't want to fight you when like he pulls out his red trident he blows up your mercy button and his sprite changes to where he's like this more ominous creature but he's not actually looking at you he like he seemingly doesn't want to look at what he has to do he doesn't want to face the reality that he has to kill a child that so obviously reminds him of both of his like seemingly kind of like adopted child and his real like biological son mm-hmm. i find that that moment so intense and then the asgore fight itself just looks so harrowing like it looks so freaking hard asgore seems <laughs> like this extremely powerful creature and i love that so much and then like to get to the end of it where you end up like you you kind of like give mercy you you're merciful with him and you're like i'm going to keep you alive i'm not going to kill you and asgore then like is his fluffy self again 
He's totally fine. Mm-hmm. He's like, wow, that's really nice kind of a thing. And then fucking Flowey comes out of nowhere and marks his Just ass. murders him. <laughs> that was Got so him. intense. I was like, that was so fucked up. What just yeah. happened? The, okay, let's talk about the Flowey fight. Because this, this is the first time in this game where all of a sudden that the, the graphics of this game just yeah. drastically change. You are no, like everything you've known all the way up until this point is a very, very specific art style. And then it just gets turned so far on its head and you have this weird like Photoshop evil plant, like multiple mouths vine creature with a TV in the middle and Flowey's face. And you're like, what is this thing? Like, I don't even know why that's what he becomes. Yeah, and Flowey essentially, like, is is so much more ominous in this moment, too, where Flowey's like, I know what ability you have. And, like, this is when Flowey kind of, like, showcases that it under, like, this is why it understands and can mock you for your abilities is because you having the save and reset ability, Flowey has the exact same abilities. And... Mm -hmm. Um, approaches you and is like, I'm going to kill you over and over and over and over again and try to flee into a different save. You can't. I'm going to just keep killing you kind of a moment. And you just have to go through this and and try to like dodge. You have to try to heal. You have to try to do all of this. Seemingly the souls inside of Flowey, like these, uh, these like human souls that it has uh, obtained in a sense, have like kind of seemingly become volatile and try to help you at times where they send healing items out to you instead of actually hurting you which Mm -hmm. i thought was so interesting and ultimately beating flowey is so interesting because flowey just over and over again like doesn't want to allow you to take mercy on it is like fucking kill me i'm done like just kill me (laughs) and you actually taking mercy on flowey is what in a sense like hurts all of your friends and it's yeah. it's so interesting. I I love the difference between like this moving into the pacifist run where Flowey's like, you know what? You can get a better ending. What you should do is you should go back and you should do those dates. You should go talk to Undine. You should go talk to Alfie's. And this is when you get that expanded lore. Like you get that date with Undine and Alfie's. You get to go into Alfie's real lab. You find out about the determination experiments. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. find out about the creation of like Flowey. You you get all of that. It's so interesting. It's so awesome. Um, you see the amalgamates. You you kind of get that expanded lore to like Alfie's. But once again, like you have to play through the entire game to do that again. And it turns out that it's so much more fucked up that Flowey's just kind of messing with you. Yeah yeah it's it's really interesting but i i mean you don't have to play the whole thing you could do what i did and just (laughs) pacifist your way through it and then just do the dates and go to the actual boss fight again but then it's like i love how every time you play this you're going to get different fights you're going to get different experiences i like how you know when you think of this like when i first thought of a genocide or a pacifist run i thought it was going to be pretty much the same thing only I would kill in one and I wouldn't kill in the other. And it's it's not the case at all. It's so different as to what you experience in this game, how the conversations work, how the actual enemies you fight. The, the boss in the pacifist run was so much different because it's this very strange 
uh, almost reincarnation of Azrael, but in an evil form. Um, but with this one, instead of using the soul hearts as the things that help you defeat the main evil villain, you're being helped by the memories of your friends, the friends yeah. that you make during the actual run. 100%. That moment is so awesome when you kind of like get this, you you get to see Flowey's like actual plan come to fruition and once again showcases this reset ability that Flowey has where you get to the Asgore fight and um, you you basically do it all over again and instead of killing Asgore, like all of your friends show up and they're going to help you basically like fight Flowey and Flowey's mm-hmm. like, ha, Jokes on you, dumb assholes. I'm taking all of you and basically kills them all and absorbs their souls. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that was so fucked up. Oh my <laughs> God. And then it turns out like Flowey absorbs all of these souls, including the human souls, and finally is showcased, as you said, to be Asriel. And that moment for me, I was like, no. <laughs> what? Like that moment was crazy. The The yeah. endings of these games are so interesting. Like, if, if you think this big moment in the pacifist run is crazy, like they had a similar moment in the like the neutral run where like you get that phone call from like Sans and Papyrus and everybody where they're talking about how the the world is just kind of like it's moving on. And oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They talk about how, like, Papyrus is the head of the Royal Guard, but there is no Royal Guard, so he's just by himself. He's actually kind of like a groundskeeper. And they talk (laughs) about the Queen, and they're like, oh, the Queen would really want to talk to him, but you still don't know who that is. And Mm -hmm. I was like, in my notes I wrote down, I was like, the Queen's totally Toriel. 100%. Like, the Toriel is Asgore's wife. And then when it shows up in this fight, like, when Toriel shows up and is kind of bickering with Asgore, I was like... Oh my god, that's so awesome. <laughs> and to it's, see that like Flowey, the the ultimate like in a sense one of the ultimate villains is their son. I was like, ah, this is this is fucked up but so good. Yeah. It's it's interesting too because that phone call at the end of the game is totally different depending on the choices you make. So there's like I don't know, 10 or 15 different phone calls you might get based on certain things you do in the game like you there's a snowman that you can pick like a, a piece of snow and take with you and if you get that it'll like mention sans will mention that you know the the snowman thanks you for taking you on his journey uh depending on if you kill certain people in the game and spare certain people the responses will be different so sans will like if you kill his brother his brother obviously won't be there so he'll like tell you what happens in the game afterwards based on who you let live and who you didn't um so it's it's one of those things where like there are those three main endings but there are a lot of little like tidbits that you could play into and and find a different re- reaction to what happened in the world based on your actions yeah i uh once again because of like this this like ign review i or uh walk through uh, well it's not necessarily that actually um because i ended up watching like walkthrough or i ended up like watching it after this so that's a completely like separate point but i never actually got to see what happened with that snowman since i didn't actually keep playing so that is like really cute that that kind of like shows up and i have like in the few things that i've listened to i've heard that they're like they're like eh, there's three endings but there's kind of 15 so that kind of makes sense that yep. you say mm-hmm. that that it's all based on that phone call which i really enjoy um 
Yeah, and there's also different actions that you can take at the end. So like uh, in the pacifist, you can make the choice to either stay with Toriel or to leave and go back home. And then depending on the choice you get, you get it. It's very small, the things that happen. But like in the, the pacifist run where you stay with Toriel, there's an end part where you're sleeping in bed in your room and she brings, she brings in- you the pie. Right, exactly. So there's a lot of little things like that. And there's even <laughs> there's even things depending on the way you did the run. So once again, one of my favorite things about this game is just the fact that it always remembers. So if you do a pacifist run, the game will remember that. If you do a genocide run and then try to do like a pacifist run after, the game will also remember. And it will change the pacifist ending. So it's not anything crazy. Like it's not going to be something where you're like, wow, so much new content based on this change. But essentially, and this is, you know, skipping a little bit because we haven't talked too much about the the genocide run, but genocide run ends with you selling your soul to rebuild the world. And so when you do the pacifist run after a genocide run, there's not much different other than you're in that bed and Toriel brings you in the pie, and then right as it ends, your character wakes up and has, like, bright red eyes showing that you are that demon, your Kara. Oh, so that was real. I saw that in, like, I thought that was a YouTube edit or something, because I ended up seeing that no one really, like, brought up that that was a different thing. Oh, that's so cool. So there's, I mean, there's a lot of little things to it. It's, uh, it's really interesting, the different parts of how this game can be played out. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I I very much enjoy the fact that like this game requires multiple playthroughs. However much like I'm I'm never really I I doubt I'll ever really experience a lot of this game like firsthand because I'm like this is a get good moment and I don't think I'll ever be that good at this fucking game to beat Sans. Like let's be real, that fight seems like a pain in the ass. Yeah. But I I <laughs> this this game is just so special and so awesome that like it, it kind of reminds me of, like, Nier Automata when people say that, like, it's got, like, 45 endings. And to really get the effect, you have to beat all 45. This is mm-hmm. kind of that way where, like, to really get the effect of everything with Undertale, you have to beat it over and over and over and over and over again. Right. But it's just so cool. I feel like it, it would be really, like, rewarding to actually beat it um, multiple times. Especially, like, the pacifist ending is so awesome. Where, like, the true pacifist ending, where you, um, I, I guess without, like, having done the genocide run, because I didn't really know that that was, like, a big thing, but, like, uh, you essentially, like, regaining all of your allies while fighting um, Azriel mm-hmm. Dreamer, yep. and that is such an anime-ass moment, yeah. where you have yeah. to... <laughs> You have to go in and essentially fight your friends to then remind them who they are and then they help you beat Asriel. And Asriel, in the end, like you spare him and he becomes the cute, like childish version of Asriel again. And you then essentially like teach him how to feel because that mm-hmm. was one of the main reasons that he became this like kind of like devil deity of Flowey is because he couldn't feel. And he was just trying to over and over again. Like, that's why he kept killing people and resetting the world and everything. Um, and, like, Asriel breaks the barrier and all of the monsters get to go out on the surface. Like, they get exactly what they want. That moment is so beautiful. <laughs> like, sitting out yeah. amongst the, like, looking at the sunset while everyone is just kind of like, okay, this is cool. I loved it so much. 
That's great. And then let's do a 180 and let's kill everyone. Let's talk about the genocide run. Yeah, this sounds fucked up. (laughs) What, what, um, so what were your thoughts on the genocide run? So I like, I, I didn't know, uh, I don't know a whole lot about what is like that much different in the genocide run since I didn't experience it myself. The big thing being like that actual sans fight in the end, but, um, watching a lot of this genocide run as you continually gain levels because if you go the pacifist route you're level one the entire time because Mm -hmm. that level is your level of like aggression and um then the difference in the genocide run where you are constantly gaining levels because you're essentially killing monsters and you're stealing their souls i thought that was so cool and it was so interesting (laughs) and then to eventually like I uh, hit up this like sans fight, which like, can I ask you what, do you know what exactly is like super different in the genocide run other than having to fight sans? Yeah. So there's actually a lot that's different in genocide. Uh, the way genocide works is <sighs> genocide. The best way to think of it is that you are possessed by Kara. Um, oh yeah. In, I know that the narrator is actually Kara. Right. So you're going through and a lot of the dialogue, a lot of the characters, they all recognize it when genocide happens, like when you initiate that, because they'll say that you're almost like a a husk of a person. There's like just nothing in your eyes. You are a nobody. And the way to do this is you have to go through each area and you have to kill a minimum of uh, certain creatures all to the point where no one spawns, meaning no one else shows up. And when you do that in the runes for the first time, it'll start to trigger this. And so now every boss that you fight, for the most part, is going to be a one-hit KO. So people like Papyrus, people like Megaton, uh, people like Asgore, they're all going to die from one hit. Uh, But then you have the two main fights, which is Undyne and Sans, who are going to be a fucking nightmare to fight because they are just so much stronger. And the really cool thing is Undyne, the way it works is you hit her and you do like the 99999 like crazy amount of numbers and you would have killed her, but she is able to will in this determination based on trying to save all of her friends and trying to uh, make one final hurrah and go against you. And so she's called Undyne the Undying. And so you have to then fight her in a much stronger version of what you would have fought in the pacifist run. It's much harder. It's much faster. There's a lot more that goes to it. I ended up seeing the Undyne one because somebody pointed out that uh, Undyne is one of the only like monsters who's actually willing or not willing, but able to contain the determination, which I thought was so cool. Right. And I well, saw that was, at the. I what? thought it was interesting because she was able to contain it, but only to a degree of like enough to hold on. Like it was almost destroying her. Oh, yeah. I saw that I, she's like melting. Yeah, so she's she's doing that as, like I said, a final hurrah. It's kind of like a almost another anime-esque version of that last stand of trying to sacrifice yourself to better the the group, your, your loved ones, your friends. Because essentially what's happening is while Undyne's doing this, she's just creating a front and trying to waste your time. Because during this, Alfie's is getting all of the people in the actual underworld and getting them to safety and they're like going to a bunker or something that we won't be able to find any of those creatures at so as the as you like once you beat her the rest of the world is really like empty and barren and there's really not too much going on at that point 
Oh shit! I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's a really cool change to the game, and so it, it does make the it makes the genocide run feel very empty and very vacant, and almost like to a point of how I assume you would feel if you were a demon killing everyone, uh, very pointless in in many ways. Yeah, it uh, sounds really lonely. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's it was a very interesting change. And so that's when you then you come into like the hotel has no one in there. The only people who still stick around are like the shopkeepers, the NPCs. And they'll even say stuff to like, why am I still here? One of them, uh, one of the NPCs, like the turtle guy, will like mock you because he knows that you can't fight him because he's, he's a, a an NPC, like a sales uh, guy. So he's like, you can't do anything <laughs> to me. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, there's a lot of little quips like that that are hilarious that they play into breaking the fourth wall. But... So you go and there's like not too much other than killing all of the enemies in each area to get to a specific quota to stay on genocide run. And so once you then, you know, go through, you get to Megaton, you kill him in one hit just like that. And then you get to Sans, who is uh, basically stops you and says like, uh, you know, you're a terrible person. You need to be stopped. I'm I. And this is once again where he goes like I made that promise to that lady but I cannot keep it. Like I have to kill you essentially. So going more into that backstory of having that relationship with Toriel. And isn't this also where Sans reveals that he actually understood what happened through all these resets yes. and that he has actually been fighting Flowey this entire time, who is essentially like Asriel, but with no feelings. So like reveals that, um, well, we kind of got it through like the pacifist run and everything where, Flowey is essentially created because of Azriel's essence being on these flowers that then were injected with determination from Dr. Alfie's because she wondered what would happen if you injected determination to an inanimate object. But it turns out that it actually had remnants of a soul because Azriel died. And like Azriel tries to spend time with Asgore, but ends up like kind of feeling nothing because. Yeah. Uh, Flowey doesn't have any feelings, so goes to Toriel and tries to do it again, but once again doesn't have any feelings. So instead, just to keep itself entertained, starts murdering everyone in every timeline over and over and over and over again. And the only person who actually notices it is Sans. And mm-hmm. like, Sans tries to fight back against Flowey over and over again. And continues like every time tries to fight Flowey and seeing the power that Sans showcases in this fight. I'm like, how did you not beat Flowey? Like, it's crazy. (laughs) But it shows how Sans just gets so beaten down and is just so tired of fighting. And in the Sans fight, like you see how powerful he is. It's fucking outrageous. But then you also see how like kind of weak and beaten down he is when he starts to sweat and he's like this is really taking a lot out of me and then in the end he's like my special move is that i'm not gonna make a move and i'm just gonna like sit here and you're not gonna be able to make a move either and you basically just have to sit there while he falls asleep and you can eventually move over to the attack button like that shit was just so fucked up I was like, this is so <laughs> awesome, but I hate that I would have had to go through a genocide run to experience it. Yeah, it's a it's a tough it's a tough uh, climb to get to. One of my favorite parts about that, though, before you even get there, is that you're talking to Flowey on the way towards the Sans fight. And my favorite part is that as you're starting to do this, 
Flowey is starting to realize that you are this evil demon, that you're much worse than even Flowey is because you're going to just impact this terrible place upon the world. He knows that if you get outside of the actual underworld, you're going to cause way too much havoc and you're just going to destroy everything that's ever lived. And so even Flowey is taking an approach where he was this evil being that is is being shown like, crap, I, I can't be this evil. I have to stop this person who's going forward and warns Asgore that you're on your way. Yeah, isn't Flowey like afraid of you because it starts to see uh, Kara inside of you and it is Asriel. So exactly. like remembers that Kara was actually kind of a fucking dick and like... <laughs> yes is afraid of you and then in the end isn't it with this asgore fight when you show up like flowey tries to like flowey just go destroys your... the soul yeah just destroys like, the soul right away yeah tries to and and tries to like uh it tries to appease you by killing asgore and it's just like see i didn't go against you like uh-huh. i it, it's okay i'm on your side and then you fucking kill flowey like mercilessly one of my favorite parts about this is how that happens because when you think about it how have you killed everyone else in this game as this evil being you've hit them once and done a million damage to them but this one is more about the revenge of everything that's happened if you are this character who was you know originally had this plan of let's go up there asriel let's kill all these humans let's do this and asriel win against you and for that reason you basically spread your ashes like spread your soul and did nothing with it and just kind of gave yourself up and so it's almost this revenge of like fuck you i'm gonna keep killing you because of what you did and just stabs him multiple times even though it's obviously not necessary yeah, like grinds Flowey into dust, basically. Yeah. That shit uh, was crazy. It was. Um, and and then you, you basically get to talk to Kara, who tells you, you know, who is the narrator and is talking back to you. And you have the choice to either restart the world again uh, because you want to try it over and actually get past this uh, timeline and be able to escape or to just not like disobey him and basically you don't have a choice um and so this is where where you get to that point of i was mentioning you are selling yourself your soul to restart the world and that's why later on if you try to play again the game will remember that you've done these actions god this shit is crazy i just oh my gosh i i don't know if i'll See, here's the thing. This makes me want to play Deltarune so fucking bad, but I'm so garbage at video games that I don't think I'll ever be able to actually beat that game either. Well, the good thing is you always have people out there who will be able to do it, and you could just watch the the walkthroughs. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I hope for, is just to be able to watch (laughs) walkthroughs. Yeah. I mean, that being said, I mean, like... I I don't think that this game is amazing in regards to like the mechanics and saying like it's unique in what it does. Don't get me wrong, but I wouldn't say that this is one of my top favorite games to play. Uh, I would say that it was one of my favorite stories that I've been a part of, and I think it does a lot of unique things. But like I could have probably gotten the same amount of enjoyment just watching it as in that I did playing through it. Yeah, yeah, I I get it. A lot of this game is just like, uh, not uh, like 100% of my love for this game is actually in the characters and in the like the story itself. So I don't think I'll actually have to play through anything. But I do kind of want to like try out Deltarune just to see what it's like. But 
I am very excited to see the continuation of this story. Also, can we talk about the credits of like the pacifist run where everybody gets away and they, they it shows the monsters out in society and like fucking Papyrus is driving a convertible, Sans is like driving a tricycle, Undine and like Alfie's are like having a beach day and they end up like holding hands and like it's just it's so nice and wholesome. I I love that so much. Like I think I, it's really funny because obviously that's not how life would be. They would come out and then everyone would be super scared of them. Yeah, like the the humans murdered them yeah. and forced them underground. So I was like, ultimately, once that happened, I was like, is this real though? Yeah. Like, well, th- that's why they call you the ambassador of humans to monsters because you're supposed to talk sense into the humans to be okay with the monsters coming up and and reason with them and say like hey you know they're not they're not bad they're actually okay but like come on look at society today you think you're gonna fucking convince them yeah like they're they've got dog people walking up from the ground and they're like i'm racist against my own people you think i'm be chill with you bro it's not possible yeah i work Maybe fucking crazy. I don't know. But I, I'm i excited to see the continuation of this story. Isn't Deltarune meant to be like a prequel? Isn't that what it's supposed to be? Uh, I don't know enough to, to say one way or the other. I, I remember something about that, but who fucking knows? Yeah, I remember us like talking about like uh, it, like Toby Fox saying that it's a sequel, but not. And you're like, what does that mean? And that it might kind of be like a prequel. It's like all up in the air. Plus it's only one chapter of a much larger game. That's so far out, but I would, I would love to see, I I would love to see a continuation of like undertale. That's not tells the story of like Kara and everything beforehand, but instead um, actually shows what happens after. And you kind of have to, to like take this same tactic and mm-hmm. play through the game, but fighting against humans, like with monster companions. Yeah. I think that would be cool. Cause you hear about humans being these like really fucked up and extremely powerful creatures, like them using magic and them having like amazing technology, but you never really get to see it in this game. Hmm. Yeah. I, I really don't know. I think it is interesting. I, I, from what I'm seeing by just Googling a few things, it looks like it's it's not specifically a sequel or prequel. It's kind of like a, a different world. But, like, you, you can't tell me that there's not going to be roots or, you know, underlying themes that will feel the same or will hint at certain things if you played the game. So I think it's still out there that people are going to find ways to interweave those stories together. Yeah, yeah. I definitely agree. Well... Uh, I think that's all we have to say about Undertale. I don't know. Are there any last remarks that you want to make about the game, Vaughn? Honestly, I think I've pretty much gone through everything. I just have to say, like, this is an amazing experience. Um, I I very much enjoyed it, and I'm I'm so excited to do more like more spoiler casts going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, we have yet to reveal, as of the time of this recording, why we're doing them. But trust me, there is a reason why. We will talk Mm -hmm. about it when that date gets a little bit closer, but instead we're just going to be, this is kind of like a proof of concept showing you that we can do a spoiler cast for an indie game. So I'm, I'm very excited to play more like indies. I'm excited to get through my indie game backlog. Um, and Undertale was amazing. I very much enjoyed it. I, once again, I think it has flaws, but ultimately I think the story is one that everyone should take part in whether you just watch it or you play it i i think it's very worth it 
I agree. If you want to reach out to us and you like our content, please give us a follow at IndiePod on Twitter or reach out by sending us an email at IndieIncursionPodcast at gmail.com. One day we'll fix it. Who knows when? Uh, <laughs> if not, you can also reach out to Hyde at Hyde Legion or you can reach out to me at the underscore George 90, both on Twitter. Uh, is there anything else you want to say before we wrap this up, Vaughn? Uh, just want to shout out my other podcast. Make sure to check out Go Beyond, My Hair Academia podcast. That one, it's at Go Beyond Pod on Twitter. And make sure to check out uh, Elder Talks Games Industry, which I am on. It's a monthly podcast. Uh, check those out. And yeah, make sure to uh, listen and follow uh, Indie Pod because, of course, we do like a bunch of awesome giveaways. We do indie developer interviews. Uh, and we're just going to continue putting out amazing content. So thanks everyone so much for listening. That is 100% true. Uh, also, remember to leave us reviews on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you are, because that obviously helps gain traction. Uh, otherwise, thanks for listening. Bye, everyone. Thank you.